1: Ethan Skolnick here for the Five on the Floor podcast and American Airlines Arena after the Miami Heat win 84-76 to 76 against the Toronto Raptors. We'll get to the podcast here in a second. I want to tell you a couple things. First thing, check out FiveReasonSports.com. That's spelled out F-I-V-E, reasonsports.com, where you can find all of the other podcasts in our network, including 3 Yards Per Carry, 5 Rings Canes, and Cinco de Zonas. And also all of our new stories. Videos, columns, all that other stuff. Unlike the other sites in town, we do not have a paywall. Also, check out our great sponsors that includes ECPA, East Coast Public Adjusters. Just want to let you know that you only have nine months left to file that IRMA claim. So call me now, call now before it's too late. That's 855 get ECPA. 855 get ECPA. Even if you don't know, don't risk it. Roof links, water stains, these are signs of possible IRMA damage. They represent you not the insurance company so don't wait until it's too late call for a free inspection or check out ecpaclaims.com that's ecpaclaims.com they've been in business for 31 years since the Miami Heat were born since 1988 and their knowledgeable staff standing by to answer all of your questions and now today's episode
2: welcome to five on the floor a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alfon Sydney, aka Alf Nine Five Four, brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network.
1: All right, Ethan Skolnick back here in American Airlines Arena. I'm with Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. I don't know if we're going to debut the wet blanket segment today. I think you need to do some music for that one. Um, But no wet blanket on this unless you were looking for offense. 84 to 76. The Toronto Raptors, who obviously are shorthanded, we've got to acknowledge that from the very beginning. They don't have Marcus Saul, They don't have Pascal Siakam. Uh, who else are they missing? They're missing uh, Powell as well, Norm Powell as well. So they're without three rotation players right now at minimum, and they were pretty awful offensively tonight. I mean, it's hard to be much worse from three-point range than they were. They were 6 of 42, Alex. 6 of 42. I mean, if they make what? I don't know. What are we talking about here? 11 of them? They win this game, 11 out of 42 if they shoot 27% from three. uh, They shot 14% from three, 31% overall in the game, and the Heat get the win. We'll get to five points on this game and kind of where we're going looking forward. Biggest takeaway from tonight?
2: From tonight, I think it's tough to find one general takeaway, but I do think it's encouraging to see them win yet another game where things kind of grind down to a halt, you know, from start to finish. This game was ugly, right? neither team was getting going any type of smooth offense consistently there was a lot of you know end of shot clock possessions for both teams especially the heat and you know the score looked like something from the early 2000s i feel like we were watching the old pistons that would constantly go up against the heat back in the day but from tonight honestly the biggest thing was the fact that they can continue to defend really good teams that they continue to score against elite defensive teams. This Raptors team came into the night second in defensive rating and the Heat, despite not really getting anything going, was still able to firmly outplay them in that second half and close out and, you know, take care of business.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, um, you you score 84 points, you shoot 41% from the field. Uh, they, they were The Heat only had six free throws made the whole night. Uh, Jimmy had four of them, something I want to touch on there, too. And they were 12-37 from three. The rebounding was fairly even, although Toronto kind of cleaned up on the offensive board some. And it was, you know, kind of a medium turnover game for the Heat. But to me, the biggest takeaway tonight is that Eric Spolster is going to use zone. In a lot of these games And Jimmy Butler was asked after the game He laughed, he said when was the last time he played this much zone He said junior college, we annoyed the shit out of people with it Um, I don't know If you can continue to use zone as a weapon When every team starts to see it But clearly Eric Spolster Has decided that that's what they have to do He said that yesterday in practice They had a very hard practice, more than two hours An old Pat Riley style practice He said they didn't rep zone once Didn't do it. And then tonight. Get those holiday calories off. Right, right. And tonight he did it the whole game almost. I mean, they they were in zone, what, three-quarters of the time tonight? And, you know, again, Derrick Jones Jr., and that's going to be one for me tonight. uh, Derrick Jones Jr. has made himself uh, sort of invaluable Uh, where you can't really take him off the floor. I mean, tonight, he 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 took nine three-point attempts, which is too many, and a lot of them were he's the open shooter after Jimmy or somebody else drives, and so they want him to take it. I don't know that they want him to take nine of them, but he was 4 of 13 from the field. But defensively, he was creating so much havoc That really Eric Spolcher couldn't take him out In fact, didn't go back to Duncan Robinson late in the game Stayed with Derek Jones Jr. Um, And let's tie this in again As we've often done with Justice Winslow Who was tweeting from his account I think 90 minutes before the game Which was very odd I don't know if he was running his own account I remember when Ricky Williams was to be running middle drills At Dolphins Camp And somebody was tweeting at that time from his account It turned out to be his girlfriend I'm not really sure, but Even when Justice comes back, whenever that is, he did do some work before the game today, where do they stand with Derrick Jones Jr.? Because
2: if they're going to run zone, he has to play. It's really interesting because the zone has obviously been awesome for Derrick Jones Jr. It makes him more important to what they do because, you know, so much of their game plan runs on them being really, really good on defense. I think that was always going to be their identity coming into the season. Before we knew that, you know, they had just uncovered elite shooting seemingly out of nowhere. But... At the same time, I think Justice will do more than fine in the zone. I think they might not even use the zone as much on him when when Justice does come back because, they, you know, part of the reason I think they're going to it so often is, you know, like we talked about before, to mass some of the other guys. Uh, defensive weaknesses because it makes it more of a team effort and they're extremely good at team effort at the team effort aspect of defense on on, you know on closing out on making it tough for guys like honestly what it came down to tonight on the defensive stuff was what happened with Lowry and Van Vliet who both missed way more shots than they made and I think that you know that's something that Justice is definitely going to help with and going forward I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly where Winslow, what, what his role looks like when he comes back. They, they've been clicking so much without him. I think he's just going to start off being a bench role player who moves his way up. So you, you mentioned Van Vliet
1: and Lowry tonight. Uh, combined 7 of 32 from the field, 3 of 23 from 3. Um, 22 points between them on a combined 32 shots. So uh, they, they shut those guys down. Let's get to number 2 tonight. And... I asked Eric Spolster about this. I don't know if anybody has anybody asked Eric about this before because I haven't seen him ask, which is why I decided to. And you gave me a look, kind of, are you really going to ask that question? But I asked Eric. I'm still still, a little bit of PTSD. uh, Yeah, no. I, I asked Eric after the game about Jimmy Butler's shooting. Of course, I couched it with a couple of statistics, which are a little more positive. The Miami Heat now are 11 and two when Jimmy makes five field goals or fewer. 11 and two. And also, here's another Jimmy stat from his shooting. Because tonight he was 2 of 10 from the field. Ended up with 8 points, but 12 rebounds, 7 assists, and 2 steals. The other stat is last year, the entire season, whether with Minnesota or Philadelphia, he had 14 games where he shot under 37% in the game. 14 games. This year he's already got 12. He's only played 31. So 12 out of 31 games, he shot under 37% from the field, and they've won the majority of those games also. Now, you're going to probably hear that clip that, uh, that for the question I asked Bolster because he turned it into sort of a thing about a soliloquy about max players and how he defended Jimmy because he basically said, uh, you don't want guys concerned about their 2K rating. Coincidentally, or maybe not, Hassan Whiteside will be here on Sunday, <laughs> so I'm sure he might get asked about that. But the point of the question was, We've talked about Jimmy Butler's shooting for so long now, and I talked to Nikias about it in the last pod, and Nikias, you know, again, has charted the numbers even sort of more granular than I have, and found that his shooting gets even worse in the second and fourth quarters than the first and the third, when he hasn't had that rest before he goes out there. Is this, I'm going to ask you the same question. If Jimmy continues to shoot like this, 2 of 10 from the field tonight, he was 4 of 7 from the line, including taking a technical with any miss that I thought they should have let Tyler Harrell take, reminding me of LeBron taking technicals instead of Mario Chalmers when Mario was a better free-throw shooter. Can they
2: keep winning if Jimmy keeps shooting like this? Because it doesn't look like it's going to stop. So I do think the short answer is yes, that they can keep winning with him shooting like this, but that's also couched with in the regular season Mm -hmm. because I'm not sure what it's going to look like in the playoffs, and I know this is something I feel like I say all the time with with the heat in their offense, but you know, like I mentioned earlier, the fact that they have a lot more shooting than we predicted them to have coming into the season has kind of been a nice cushion for Jimmy's very inconsistent shooting. Not that there were lights out tonight from three, but the fact that they don't have to rely on Jimmy to come up with such a huge piece of their pie offensively you know, it's not a big deal right now in the regular season. It's, it's another thing that we're kind of ignoring just because of the depth that they have mm. being such a positive for them. It's a very sim- very similarly to, you know, us ignoring, not me and you ignoring, but Heat fans kind of being like, oh, we're good without justice. You know? Right. Because it's like, it's something that we're, it's gonna have to be addressed at some point. And it's gonna, you know, it's gonna keep getting louder and louder as the playoffs come because we need to see what it looks like when Jimmy can hit shots. Because once the playoffs come around, you know, a lot of these things are gonna get so much harder. And man, the things that they've hit on offensively have been free throw attempts, which they're still number one in the league in mm-hmm. at least in free throw rate, and the three point percentage, which is still number two in the league. And those are two things that can that you can project out to the playoffs and make a case and say that they can both regress in the playoffs. And what happens to your offense then? You need the defense to be elite, which will get better once Winslow comes back, but I do think there's questions to be had there, and I guess that's the debut of the wet blanket segment.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's the wet blanket segment. There you go. We need music for that one. Really sad, sad, sad. Sad music. All right, let's get to number three and terrible W. We'll, we'll touch on terrible W. We'll <laughs> touch on Jimmy a little bit more. I'm gonna write a column on him also, so you can find that uh, on the website. Um, number three tonight. I want to focus a little on Kendrick Nunn because Kendrick won Rookie of the Month again, which basically means he's been and for the Eastern Conference, which means he's been the Rookie of the Month the whole season because he was Rookie of the Month for October, November, and now he's Rookie of the Month for December. And I look, I, I looked at some of his numbers. He hit a wall and then he kind of scaled the wall. His numbers started. To come back up again Now tonight Was one of these Kind of weird games For him That I think shows growth Like he played A a team high 38 minutes He was 3 of 14 From the field Including 1 of 9 From 3 But he was a Plus 18 There was nobody else On the team Who was better Than a plus 7 So he was a plus 18 with nine assists. And no turnovers. And no turnovers, which the big complaint about Kendrick Nunn, and we've made it on this podcast, is he doesn't know when to shoot and when to pass at times. And sometimes he's not the most willing passer. And sometimes he makes poor decisions with the ball. And yet tonight he had nine assists and no turnovers in a 3 of 14 game. Nobody's talking about him. I feel like nobody's talking about him locally anymore. Like, it's just taken for granted. He just won Rookie of the Month again as an undrafted player in the Eastern Conference. And he's probably second in rookie of the year consideration in the entire... Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition
0: when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.
1: Entire league, it's going to be Morant as long as he stays healthy. But Kendrick Nunn's starting on a playoff team. John Morant is not.
2: Like, have we seen legitimate growth here from Kendrick Nunn? It's funny you say that because last time that we worked a game, you know, uh, we 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 mentioned after that Sixers game that me and Alf were sitting apart from you, and that's something that I mentioned to him is that is that exact same word you use, growth, from Kendrick Nunn. because I've noticed that recently, we've seen less and less of those plays that we used to see earlier in the season, where known where you know the shot clock would dwindle down and he would find himself after, you know, not being able to find guys, having to take some ugly, awkward shot, and again, he didn't shoot good tonight at all. Uh, like you mentioned, 3 of 14 from the field, 1 of 9 from 3, but he's gotten better at that at that aspect, at the, when, knowing when to shoot, knowing when to pass, you know, things have kind of smoothed out for him a little bit in that aspect of the playmaker. It doesn't look as rough as it used to after they started figuring out what he was good at. Yeah, no doubt,
1: and, and I, again, I think we focus so much on, on Tyler Hero, but you know, and Tyler had some big moments tonight. Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, kind of that third quarter, fourth quarter, he sustained them when they needed something, in the same way Goran Dragic gave them a lift in the first half. But I do think that with Kendrick Nunn, we have taken it for granted. And, and I felt that a little on Twitter, other social media places, where it's kind of like, okay, you're hyping Harrow, you're not hyping Nunn. But I think it's because he, he blew up in the first two weeks. We didn't see it coming. He relegated waiters to, like, you know, no-show status. And then I I think we started to see some flaws that we were hoping we wouldn't see. And it's like as he sort of slowly made his way through
2: those, we haven't really acknowledged it. So I felt the need to acknowledge it tonight. The the, the point with Kedrick Nunn is that, you know, you develop this guy who was undrafted into somebody who you can easily say has been a pretty essential cog Mm -hmm. to what the Heat have done this season. Again, with their offense being as good as it has been, Nunn has been just as big a part as that you know, as anybody else not named Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo, the fact that they can go to him for, you know, shooting off of a screen, Mm. secondary playmaking, He's not even used as an as a second as a secondary playmaker in the offense, right? Because most of the time he's playing alongside Jimmy and Bam, who take up a bigger responsibility as far as setting up the offense. So I think that's why he's been such an essential cog is because Spo has placed him in the exact right position. He doesn't need to be that playmaker. He could just focus on scoring, which I think is part of that, you know, line that he had to navigate before was because they're con- they're very much encouraging him to mm-hmm. score, but figuring out how much to take and when to take him you know, was going to be that next step for him, and I think he's slowly getting there.
1: The, the biggest sign of Eric Spolschel's confidence is minutes, and 38 tonight. So that, that kind of shows you. And he keeps uh, getting the most is, shots. He keeps getting the most shots, and they don't seem to have a problem with him. He had the most tonight 14, you're only making three.
2: If you're a Miami Dolphins fan, this is your offseason. 100 million in cash space, three first round picks. First, some important dates February 24th through March 2nd, the NFL scouting combine. March 18th, free agency. And of course, April 23rd through the 25th, the 2020 NFL Draft in Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, and one more. Every single Monday, you can catch Three Yards per Carry on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Alfredo Arteaga, Chris Kaufman, Simon Clancy will be with you throughout. Catch them on your favorite podcast provider.
1: I want to tell you about another great sponsor the 5 Reasons Sports Network and the 5 on the Floor podcast, and then we'll get to our final two things here, and that's Dutch Valley Farms. What's Dutch Valley Farms for starters? They're not your average cannabis grow farm. They've got deep roots in the 305, and this hometown group of doctors, CPAs, and Silicon Valley professionals have taken their talents from the 305 to the 503 to make you the finest flower out there. How does Miami find its way all the way out in Oregon? Simple, a team with a shared belief in cannabis research and erasing the stigma behind the bud. Today, the Dutch Valley Farms crew is bringing together old-school growing practices with new school tech to deliver a consistently clean, high-quality experience that you can feel good about. The proof is in the plant. You want more information? Visit Dutch That's DutchVF.com or follow them on Instagram at Dutch Valley Farms. All right, let's get to our last two uh, quickly here. But I want to get into these before the Orlando game. We've got a back-to-back. Not sure we're going to pot off tomorrow night, but we will. We will certainly see on that. Um, I want to hit on the backup bigs. Because Eric Spolscher played really only eight guys again tonight. He gave Kelly Olenek three and a half minutes, and Chris Silva, I thought, played five impactful minutes. Chris Silva, they were plus seven in in Chris Silva's five minutes. And I don't really understand why Chris Silva has been playing lately because I feel like that's what he was doing consistently. Kelly Olenek, though, is he out of the rotation? Because
2: it seems like it. It's a weird question to ask because so many of us came into the season with him as kind of the incumbent starting power forward. We saw how good they were with him last year, you know, without that primary score in Jimmy. And it only made sense for, you know, to project that coming into the season because he played so well off of Bam and Justice and Jay Rich that, you know, it would be easy to see him play well with Jimmy as a starting guy there. But yeah, like there's there's been way too many games where Kelly just kind of looks like a non-factor out there. You know, they're not playing him much, like you said. And it's something you definitely got to consider. I'm just not sure why it's happening. Again, I would like to see what it looks like when Winslow comes back because I thought, you know, that there was some flashes there when that uh, that bench lineup was healthy. But, yeah, it's been weird with Kelly, right? I've seen some people on Twitter kind of speculating that maybe he's not 100%. and. The more I watch him play, the, and and the more that I see Spole play him less and less, mm-hmm. after seemingly having so much faith in him or, or ever since he signed here, you know maybe there is something going on there. But but there was a little less and he's faith. Slim. Less, it's like he's in great he's shape. He's in great too. shape.
1: But there was a little less faith last season. You well, know, we thought it might be because and the the team pushed back on me and others on this. We thought it might have been because that incentive clause that was tied to his minutes. But there was less faith last year. I mean, he was frustrated by some of the DNPs. We're kind of, I mean, this is practically a DNP tonight. I mean, he played three and a half minutes. He got one stint. That was it. Myers Leonard outplayed him. Uh, you know, Myers had, had the quick eight points and, then and, and, you know, has, has played more minutes consistently lately. He's getting the extra stints, and then he mixes in silver for five minutes. I, I just, you know, to me, I just, he seems like a man without a role right now. Um, and he's not imposing himself on games enough. And I think if you're, if you're Pat Riley, who happens to sit a few seats down from where we are right now, and you're looking at this team, and you're saying, what's the biggest hole on this team right now? Let's not look at the future. Let's say Howie Maker, the biggest hole on this team right now is, is their backup big situation, I think. I mean, they have enough smalls. Like, as long as, even without Justice, they haven't, you now, could they use another playmaker? Yes, but they have enough perimeter options. They don't have enough big man options right now, and part of that is, you know, because James Johnson has been banished in a space suit, and Kelly Olenek is is not contributing. And so, you know, you really, it's, can you play Silva? And, and you know, how long can you play still, And how much improvement Is he going to make Over the course of the season Alright fifth thing here Let's look ahead to Orlando uh, the Second night of a back to back Now we've seen them The Heat have not lost To bad teams Right because And Milwaukee hasn't lost A team to a sub 500 team All year I've lost a game To a sub 500 team All year Miami had lost the game in Minnesota, but they weren't a bad team at the time, right? And it was the second night of a back-to-back. But then the Memphis loss and the Washington loss, which we really haven't talked about, Orlando always gives them problems. Um, I'm waiting for the Fournier 30-point explosion tomorrow night. Like, are the heat over that, do you think? Or are we looking at a situation where second night of a back-to-back again, Eric Basie played eight and a quarter guys tonight. Is there
2: going to be a letdown after sort of a grinded out game tonight? I mean, it's definitely possible because of what you said, because of it being a back-to-back and because, you know, what you mentioned earlier with the Grizzlies and Wizards losses is the Heat getting complacent versus inferior teams. And look, the Magic have beaten them year by year, but half of this team is new. And I think now they're in this position where they believe themselves to be in this upper echelon of teams. And the Magic have not played that way. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of complacency tomorrow. You know, we know how they how they operate, the organization and the team. They take everything very seriously. They're not one, you know, out of all the 30 teams, they're not one of these teams that do that too often. But I wouldn't be surprised in the least.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't either. And I think you're looking ahead to a Sunday game here against Portland, uh, the whole white side dynamic, which I know doesn't affect a lot of guys that are on this team right now. But my biggest concern is... Does he get a standing ovation? Ah, uh, No. <laughs> No, it's not going to be like the Jay Rich thing. Does he get booed? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I think he gets booed. I think that we got shooters. There are everybody, you know, look, when I polled it on the day of the trade, um, it's the only poll I've ever had that was like this. It was 99% to one. We're in favor of the trade at the time. We know who the 1% was. It's those seven same seven people on Twitter who once Spolstra fired and, and called you know, Justice Bustus and all the rest of that and still telling us there's going to be a rebellion uh, in the locker room because Goran Dragic isn't starting. It's that group. Uh, it's, but uh, in no more shade necessary. Um, basically... You know, Hassan, I think, will get booed because, you know, and it's it's sad because he was a really positive story, right? Like the way he kind of put himself in position after being out of the league and being overseas and G League and all the rest of that stuff and made himself into a player that was coveted not just by the Heat. Uh, But by several other teams, Portland, Dallas, others wanted to give him a max. That's one of the reasons the Heat stepped in and gave it to him. And then, you know, he spent too much time pouting and, you know, wasn't. And part of it was not his fault. Part of it is the game changed from under his feet. Um, It was not a move that Riley should have made. He made it. And then they put the burden on him. But Eric Spolscher's comments today about, you know, you need a max player. He keeps referring to max player. I mean, that clearly, it's about Jimmy, but it's about Hassan, too. You need a max player who's going to care about more than 2K rating is essentially what he said tonight. Uh, so do I think – I think they'll take the cue from the organization and others. Even Bam kind of made the We Got Shooters joke a couple weeks ago. I I, I don't think it's going to be a positive reception here. I don't. And, and I feel badly for Hassan in that regard because he did work to make himself a player. And he did have some, you know, pretty amazing moments here, but that's kind of where it's at. How about this? Do you think they give him a tribute video? Um, did Josh get one the other night? I don't remember it. I don't remember. I it here, I, I, I don't I don't think he did. Did he? I I don't recall. Somebody might correct me on the podcast, but I was here. But I was so focused on that. That game was so meaningful. I don't remember it. Um, if Josh didn't, Hassan won't, right? I mean, thats he's not going to. Uh, it's going to be something when Rodney McGruder gets one and Hassan doesn't. But we'll see how that goes. All right. he, did the, he did things the right way, Ethan. I mean, yeah. What can you say? Well, that's right. And that's thats why he was getting 35 minutes at times last season. All right. Thanks for joining us today. I want to thank, of course, another of our great sponsors, Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. You can find them at onecalllegal.com. That's onecalllegal.com. They've got someone there 24 hours a day. Make sure you spell that out O-N-E. E, and they handle cases from all over the state immigration, also personal injury, traffic tickets, all the rest of it, and based here in North Miami. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be potting again soon.
0: Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Fire Regional Sports Network.